welcome to the Field Log Podcast, weekly reflections for the Warrior King to help you master yourself, fulfill your purpose, and conquer the day. I'm your host, Marcian Sicario. Field Log, Day 67, Commitment 6, Relationships. Well, it's finally happened after 66 episodes, I've unfortunately missed a field log. It was the first one. I'm hoping it'll be the last, but we're going to minimize the damage and try to get back on our six days a week with today's episode, which is going to be coming out on Tuesday, of course. And today's episode is on commitment number six. We're almost done with the seven commitments. Of course, if you haven't listened to the first five episodes in this series, absolutely make sure to listen to those first. There's going to be a lot of context that I'll be referring back to. You know, usually field logs are one-offs, and I'll make reference to other episodes for you to listen to. But a lot of the stuff I'll discuss today might reference back to that, and a lot of the context is going to be very important, especially commitment number one, which is to God, right? All of this is in context with our relationship with God. Now, with that out of the way, we are going to dive into commitment number six. And of course, the first thing I'm going to do is read that to you. And commitment number six reads... My sixth commitment is to cultivating my relationships and my understanding of relationships to breed harmony, family, and brotherhood around me. I will understand the inherent gifts of men and women, old and young, leaders and followers, and do my duty in all of these relationships. I understand that the Lord may take them away from me at any point for my salvation. If necessary, I will choose my fifth commitment over my sixth So, of course, we have the same qualifier at the bottom that we usually do, and we'll get to that towards the end. But the meat of the commitment at the top there is a bit different than the commitments we've discussed up to this point. There is a lot more, let's say it's a bit vaguer than some of the other ones, which is especially why it's important that I really go through and explain how all of this is meant to be interpreted and what we're supposed to take away from this. Now, the first line is, my sixth commitment is to cultivating my relationships. This one's relatively straightforward, right? You could be a man who is devoted to God and prays regularly, goes to liturgy regularly. You know, maybe you're fasting, you're giving alms, you're working on your body, you're working on building wealth so you can provide for people. But none of that is ultimately going to come into effect if you're not cultivating relationships, right? So in some ways, there are, of course, arguments to be made that relationships should be higher on the seven commitment list. And I will discuss why it is in the place that it's in. But for now, let's let's leave that and focus on the fact that what we're committing ourselves to here is to cultivating relationships, nurturing relationships, taking steps to deepen our relationships, right? Maybe you have guys that you met at church or at work or at the gym, and you should take the steps to get their contact information, reach out, make plans, check in on them. I do this regularly with my brothers. I'll reach out and check in on them, especially the ones who are involved in the Warrior King ethos. I want to make sure that I'm unblocking them to help them reach the highest potential. And you should do the same, right? You should go out of your way to try to build those relationships and make them deeper. We have an episode on that. The title was Mentor the Young, right? And it's about when you become a more experienced man, a more mature man, you can take that and pay it forward to the younger men or maybe the less experienced men. It doesn't have to be younger in your circle. And the same is true for your parents, right? Especially if you've left home. I try to make an effort as much as I can to call my mom whenever I have 
an opportunity and it usually ends up being maybe two or three weeks between calls. I'm very busy, but she knows that and she appreciates that I'm trying to go out of my way for that, right? And I go visit her when I can. She lives in North Florida, so I drive down there when I can. These kinds of things, taking an interest in them, cultivating relationships is what's going to ultimately make your life even more meaningful, right? Of course, the thing that gives it ultimate meaning is God himself, but a lot of times we experience that through our relationships. The second half of that sentence is, and my understanding of relationships, right? So this is, this is really the meat of this commitment, right? Many things that we're doing that we're talking about are already starting to build relationships. A lot of the other commitments bleed into this commitment, interestingly enough, right? If you start working on building wealth, you start using that wealth to bless the people around you, right? I've told the story of my birthday, quote unquote, banquet before. You can use that to bless the people around you. Or once you start building a relationship with God, you're going to start building a relationship with your priest, maybe, and the people who attend your church and those kinds of things. But what's really going to require a lot of active study and practice is understanding relationships, right? Building your understanding, cultivating your understanding of relationships. What is my role compared to someone who might be in a position of authority over me, like a priest, or maybe you have an employer, like your employer, and what is my role in my relationship with my brothers, right? We're, we're brothers, we're, of course, joined together in a common struggle, if you will. The struggle to advance ourselves as men in regards of becoming the man that God wants you to be. And maybe you're in a romantic relationship. Maybe you're married. What is, what's your role in that? Maybe you have children, those kinds of things, right? And we're going to talk about some strategies at the end, of course. But we do all of this, right? We cultivate relationships and our understanding of relationships Two, as the sentence goes on, breed harmony, family, and brotherhood around me. Our job when cultivating relationships and learning to understand people and ourselves is to breed harmony, family, and brotherhood. And we're going to go through these one by one. Harmony, right? One of the books that I've recommended a lot at this point that I'm currently in the process of rereading several times to let the material sink in is the like switch. And the techniques that Jack Schaefer, the author, teaches in the book are amazing. I highly recommend you get a copy, and I'll put that in the show notes below for you. You can go check that out. And for example, one of the stories he tells is if you're giving a presentation or you're talking to a group of people, don't address the people who are nodding and smiling and leaning forward. They're already on board, right? You're just preaching to the choir at that point. Look for the people who have their arms crossed, who are maybe rolling their eyes or squinting at you, you know, making grimaces. Try to win those people over. Last weekend, I spent some time with some friends of mine and we were at my apartment and we were, you know, playing games and just having a good time. We were playing Mario Kart, actually. (laughs) Pulled out an old version of that and set up the TV, hooked up everything because the TV was in the closet. Well, one of the people who was there, was she was sort of sitting on the couch with her arms crossed and looking away. So I just addressed her. I said, you look like you're a little uncomfortable. Is there anything I can do to make you more comfortable? Would you like a beverage? I have sparkling water. I have wine. Would you like me to turn up the heat, turn down the heat? Do you want a blanket? Do you want me to get the cat from the other room? I started talking to her and it turned out that there was something that she'd left at her place that was really making her nervous. So one of the other people at my apartment, one of my friends, offered to drive her there so she could, you know, go take care of that. And after that, she opened up a lot more. So learning those skills, learning to be intentional and look at what people are feeling when they're around you and those kinds of things. It's going to help you breed harmony to make sure that people are getting along well and that the relationships can be fruitful. Family is the next one, right? Breeding family. And 
as funny as it is, you could take this literally, right? You should use your understanding of relationships, right? I've talked about how to be attractive to women before, right? Being able to provide security and having calm and centeredness and, and these kinds of things. And even the things that are more practical, like physical attractiveness. And you can use that to meet a wife and have children, right? Expand your family or to even build out your family with your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? I talk about brotherhood all the time. This idea that iron sharpens iron. That's something very useful and very important in your life as a man. And then, of course, brotherhood is what I was just talking about, this idea of forging relationships with the men in your life, right? Your brothers are going to have your back when you need it. You're going to have their back when they need it. This is something that we have to focus our time on. We have to develop harmony around us. We have to develop our connections with our biological family, our spiritual family, maybe build a family for ourselves, right? And we have to strengthen the brotherhood that we might be placed into, right? The men that are in your circle, especially the ones that you see eye to eye on, you know, you have the same faith background, foster those relationships, take them seriously, go out of your way. If you start to lose contact with somebody, reach back out, let's get dinner, let's meet up. I want to see how you're doing. How's it going? Those kinds of things. It's very important. Now that's the first sentence. The second sentence is, I will understand the inherent gifts of men and women, old and young, leaders and followers. And then it goes on. But that first half, let's focus on that for a second. The inherent gifts of, example one, men and women, right? And this is not an exhaustive list. But when you start to cultivate your understanding of relationships, you start to cultivate your understanding of how people are uniquely positioned to make changes in the world, do good in the world, and the kinds of things you have to look out for. For example, one of the things that I always say is that if you read a book like, for example, The Female Brain, which I'm going to link below, talks about some of the neurological differences between men and women. And we're getting into potentially a little tubchy subject here, so I'll try to be as, as diplomatic as I can. But this idea that men and women have inherently different gifts, right? For example, the stress center in your brain, the amygdala, has androgen receptors. So the more testosterone you have in your body, the more struggle and effort will feel good to you. So if, for example, you're in the gym and you're just, you know, driving the weight super hard and everything, and maybe you're working out with a girl who's a friend, or maybe it's your girlfriend or your wife or somebody, and that person doesn't feel as good about, you know, going as hard as possible as you do, just understand that, that there is a physiological component to that, that a lot of stress and effort can feel very invigorating to a man, whereas it might feel a lot more stressful to a woman. Then on the flip side to that, you have the fact that women can bear a lot more pain than men can, right? And especially for something like childbirth, for example. So that's a unique gift that they have. So there are inherent physiological differences and neurological differences in men and women that we should celebrate, right? Rather than, you know, diminish one or the other, right? We are all uniquely positioned and in the way that God created us to do good in the world and to do good for others, right? And this is just science, right? Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just relaying the information as it's been presented by the research. The next example is old and young, right? The Lord tells us in your faith, be like children, right? Children have this wonder, this awe, this amazement. And a lot of you, if you've ever been to an Orthodox church, if you remember the first time you went, you'll remember what that felt like, this sort of awe and amazement of seeing all of the beauty and it was all fresh and new to you. And of course, the Lord is trying to tell us that we should maintain that posture with the understanding that young people, you know, children and young adults perhaps, are going to have an easier time maintaining that sort of awe and wonder and this youthful spirit, if you will, 
But then, of course, those who are in our community and in our circle or older have a unique gift to share with us. I always say that there is no substitute for experience. Wisdom comes in large part from experience. So when you meet someone who's older than you, you can learn a lot from that person, right? My godfather, I've mentioned this before, is an old priest. He has this treasure trove of stories and wisdom and anecdotes and advice. And I hang on every word he says. But if I'm talking to a child who is maybe five or six years old, I try to see the world through that child's eyes. You know, what is it that you're seeing? What is it that's amazing you that I've started taking for granted? Maybe, you know, we're outside and the kids are just playing around in the dirt and they find like a caterpillar or something. And they're just super stoked about it. So maybe I need to pick up that posture and be excited about God's creation too. And maybe you do as well. So there's inherent gifts there. Leaders and followers, right? There is a dynamic of leaders and followers. What's our role and responsibility in those relationships, right? We have an episode on this. Kiss the ring, right? You have to honor authority. I think the title of the episode is Honoring Authority. Or maybe Kiss the Ring, one or the other. You can go listen to that if you want. But leaders and followers, if you're in a position of leadership in a certain context, it's your job to sacrifice. It's your job to take on ownership over that situation. It's your job to take on responsibility. And if you are a follower to someone's leader, like, you know, an employer or your priest or your parents, perhaps, then it's your role to be obedient, right? To honor that authority so that you one day can have authority in your own life. Very important. But of course, these are just examples. There are all kinds of different relationships that we're going to be in, right? The relationship of brotherhood, perhaps, right? Maybe the difference between a host and a guest, those kinds of things. Think about that. Study that, right? Start to develop an understanding of how these relationships are made. And the sentence goes on, and do my duty in all of these relationships. So whatever relationship you're placed in, if you're the leader, if you're the follower, if you're the husband, if you're the wife, if you're the brother, if you're the father, the son, whatever it is, in a unique relationship where there are different roles, different expectations for the different people, right? We're not homogeneous. We're not all the same. We're all unique and different. Do your duty, especially as a man especially when it's a role of leadership, but even when it's a role of being a follower, for example, do your duty, right? I bring this up sometimes. Whenever my priest needs something, he knows he can call or text me and I'll be there. I'll do what I can. That's my duty. His duty is to look out for my spiritual well-being, to make sure that I'm on the right track. And my duty is to do anything I can to take work off his plate whenever he needs my unique skills. And the same is true for you. You're going to be in all kinds of relationships in your life. What is your duty in that relationship? If you're a husband, Your duty is to protect, to provide, to sacrifice. If you're a son, your duty is to honor your parents. It's a commandment for a reason, right? Honor your parents. If you're maybe a CEO or you have a small business or something along those lines, your job is to look out for the welfare of your employees. If you are an employee at this point in your life, it's your job to look out for the welfare of the business within reason, of course. So whatever roles you're placed in in your life, you have to identify your duty, one, and then you have to act it out. Two, very important. And then the last portion will sound very familiar. I understand that the Lord may take them away from me at any point for my salvation. And of course, them is referring to relationships. This is one thing you have to remember, same as with every commitment. This is true for stewardship, for body, for craft, for mind, right? If you have relationships in your life, you cannot make those relationships your be-all, end-all. God comes first right? If you're in a relationship, let's say romantic, because it's an easy example, with a woman you really love, but that woman isn't good for you, this happens sometimes. 
And it's unfortunate and it hurts. And I know that I've been there, but I just want you to remember that God might take it away from you for your salvation. Realize that this person is leading you away from the kingdom. I was at an Orthodox wedding once where at the end, the priest said, you know, after the ceremony was done, he said to the couple and to the people present that you have to always remember that you were a Christian first, then a husband. And if the Lord blesses you, you'll be a father. And that's, that's the order of chronologically the order that those relationships entered your life. And it's also the order of importance. So a couple, a married couple, according to the priest, and I definitely agree with this, is going to be best served by fixating on God and letting their relationship become a tool, right? God's going to use that relationship to bring you both closer to him, right? You're going to lead your wife to salvation. Your wife's going to lead you to salvation. Very important to remember that. So if God sees fit to take a relationship away from you, right? Or maybe, God forbid, a person passes away. Whatever happens has been allowed to happen for the bigger plan at play. It's for your salvation. It's for that person's salvation. Right? If someone passes away, God forbid, unexpectedly, maybe a parent, maybe a child. I know those things are awful, and I've, I've experienced some of that in my life, not much. But some of that, when you lose a relationship that's very important to you, by death or by separation, maybe you have a falling out, if it can't be fixed, then you have to accept that this happened and that God might do this for your salvation. You should be able to, if necessary, spend the rest of your life in some form of solitude, isolation. You might feel lonely, but as long as you have God, you don't need anything else. So whatever he allows to come into your life or come out of your life, that's something we have to accept and we have to try to find joy in if we can. And then the last part, if necessary, I will choose my fifth commitment over my sixth, right? I will choose mind over relationships. And of course, by extension, since this is true for every commitment, you would choose stewardship and body and craft and mind, all of those, and God, of course, over relationships. Now, what does that mean? This is incredibly nuanced because at the end of the day, we do what we do as warrior kings to serve others. So this doesn't necessarily mean that I want you to push away people in order to make more money. But what it means is that you have duties in stewardship, right? And stewardship talks about stewarding the people around you. So if, for example, your girlfriend wants to spend time with you, and I've used this example before, but you're working on your business and you tell her, listen, right now I have a very important business deadline that I have to take care of. I wish I could spend time with you and, you know, continue to further our relationship tonight, but I have to work tonight. But it's ultimately for the greater good. And if this rubs you the wrong way, I just want you to think about it. I want you to pray about it. I'm going to try to use some examples because I know that this can be very hard to accept. Take the example of a man going to war, right? His country needs him. He has a duty. He has a purpose. And his wife says, don't go. I'll miss you. I'll be scared for you. And he says, I have to do this. This is stewardship, right? Something like that would be stewardship. I have to take care of my country. I have to do my part to protect it. And if that means I can't see you for the next year, year and a half, or God forbid I die, and then you're left alone, it's something that I have to do regardless. And she won't be happy about it, but she'll understand. And I've used two examples now. Something similar, maybe your friends want to hang out with you and it's uh, an opportunity to continue to deepen your relationship with your brothers. But you know that you really have to go to the gym. You can't use hanging out with your friends as an excuse to not train your body. You'll be more used to them. If you're healthy, if you're physically capable, you'll be able to help them better, right? Uh, I was hanging out with a couple of my buddies the other day. We were at dinner and they said, hey, we got to go to the gym after this. I said, great, let's, you know, let's cut this short. You know, we had an hour to talk. 
I really appreciate that. I know that you have things to take care of. So remember that everything we're doing, we are doing for other people, but that sometimes means that building relationships or building our knowledge of relationships, especially, right, if you're, for example, reading a book like The Like Switch, and it's either read that book or work on your craft, you should work on your craft. You don't want to build your ability to further your relationships and connect more with people and all those things and then be of no use to them, right? You have responsibilities as a man. So I hope that that in some way begins to explain to you the perspective and why relationships are below the other commitments that we've mentioned up to this point. A man has a duty to become the man God needs him to be. And you know, sometimes, like I said, the commitments can bleed into each other and you have to use your wisdom and prayer and the guidance of your spiritual father to try to make those decisions. So now let's talk about some strategies. Of course, as I did with all of the commitments so far, I've gone on way too long, so I'll try to keep this as short as I can. Thankfully, many of these we've already talked about. Your commitment to cultivating relationships and your understanding of them to breed harmony. We've talked about the like switch, which will be in the show notes below, of course. We've talked about the charisma myth. I'll put that in there as well. That's going to help you build relationships. We've talked about the books from Dr. Gottman, and I'll try to put those in the show notes as well. You can read through those. You're going to cultivate your understanding of relationships. And of course, earlier I already said to cultivate your relationships, take an interest in people. Reach out. Make sure that you're looking at things from their perspective. All of those resources and all of that practice is going to help you breed harmony, right? Family, brotherhood, all of those things. For understanding the inherent gifts of men and women, of course, I'm putting the female brain in the show notes as well. The books that Dr. John Gottman wrote are going to be very useful for understanding the inherent differences in how men and women approach relationships. I do have some books for leaders and followers. I'll put Extreme Ownership in the show notes. And I'll also put a book on leadership that I read recently that my mom got me for my birthday. I found very useful. I'll put that in the show notes as well. And you can check out all of those resources at your leisure, right? If you're going to understand the inherent gifts of men and women, you have to be around those people. If you want to understand the inherent gifts of the old and young, be around those people, study the material, see what works for you, see what doesn't go from there. It's as simple as that. Study, practice, work, improve, And then, of course, to do your duty in all of these relationships, it's a mindset thing. There's no book that I can recommend you that's going to help you do your duty as much as understanding that it is your duty and that you have responsibilities in every relationship that you enter into. Now, for the last two, the advice is going to be the same that it always is. If you want to help yourself understand that God may take your relationships from you, if you want to help yourself understand why relationships are in the place that they are in this commitment, The only thing you can do is practice asceticism, right? That's going to help you understand that you don't need, at the end of the day, the only relationship you need is the relationship with your creator. And you do that through prayer. You do that through fasting. You do that through almsgiving. Following the church prescribed practices is going to help you become the man you need to be in every area of your life, especially in relationships. Now, I know that that was a lot of information. I know that The links in the show notes are going to be bigger than they've ever been. But I don't want that to scare you away or intimidate you. I want that to excite you, right? That there's so much that you can learn here. That there's so many ways in which you can improve, right? When I was a younger man, you know, early 20s, late teens, 19, 20, 21, 22, even as recently as a couple of years ago, I unfortunately, God forgive me, used to be very selfish, right? And a lot of times, at least subconsciously, I would think about what people can do for me. But ultimately, that's not a posture that a man takes. 
The posture a man takes is what can I do for others? All of the relationships in your life, I want you to think about it from the perspective of being a giver. And the books and the show notes and the links, they're all going to help you do that, hopefully. So I want you to take some time today, right? This is your little assignment for today's commitment. I want you to take some time. I want you to reflect on the relationships in your life, right? Maybe you haven't talked to your parents as much as you should. Maybe you've lost touch with your brother. My brother and I, we're notoriously like this, right? We don't talk for six months and then we see each other and it's like it's been yesterday. But I'm realizing that life is short, right? You could lose it tomorrow. We talked about this in the body episode. So I've tried to make an effort to reach out to him more, to shoot him a text, see how he's doing, maybe try to get on the phone whenever I can. Look at the relationships in your life. Go through them. Think of anyone you can think of and see if there's anything that you can do that you haven't historically been doing. And if you start to do that, your relationships will improve your satisfaction in life, the way people perceive you. They will value you. That's going to make you feel good. It's going to want to help you. It's, it's going to want to make you help them more. It's very important to be self-sacrificial, right? We have an episode on this, sacrificing yourself. Go listen to that. I want you to understand this. I want you to think about it. I want you to try to draw conclusions about how you've been behaving in your relationships and if there's anything else you can do, if there's anything that you've struggled with historically that you can get better at. Do that today. Make a note. Make an implementation intention. Same as always. Today at 6 p.m. I will sit down at my desk, sit down in the couch, drive home from work and think about what I can do to be better in the relationships that I'm in, what resources I can use. Maybe you look through the show notes, you see a book you like, you get a copy, you get an audiobook. Do that today and become the man God needs you to be in every area of your life, but today especially in your relationships. That's it for this week's Field Log. If you like what you heard today, you can follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on right now. You can also rate the show. That always helps out a lot. You can find me on Instagram, threads, and TikTok at marcian.cx for field log snippets, art, philosophy, and training-related content. You can also visit the website at marcian.cx for much more of the same. I'm still working on consolidating the Warrior King content into the marcian.cx project. So check back at the website soon for the new and improved Warrior King training protocol, which is going to include supersets and my updated supplement recommendations. There's also a 2024 goal-setting guide on the way, and of course, the Warrior King newsletter. If any of that sounds appealing to you, the links to everything are in the show notes below. It's all free, and as always, conquer the day.